Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is November 5th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my preview of the game between the Dolphins and the Texans, as well as some news about Odell Beckham Jr. He is now a free agent. Could the Dolphins be looking towards him? Could they pick him up off the waivers? I will be talking about that towards the middle of the episode, but first, we will begin with this preview of the game between the Dolphins and the Texans. They'll be facing off in a matchup that will likely be painful to watch. The Dolphins have lost seven straight. The Texans have also lost seven straight. So somebody's streak here will need to come to an end after this game. But again, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to see good quality football from either side. From the standpoint of the entire season, this game carries little weight. Aside from the fact that you'll know who truly is the worst team in the NFL at this moment, the Dolphins playoff chances came to a screeching halt. The front office is in disarray and many people are already looking towards next season. So with that in mind, fans can still use this time to evaluate Tua Tungavailoa There was clearly some mutual interest between the Dolphins and Deshaun Watson that could carry over to the offseason. So the remainder of this season could be valuable in the sense that you get to watch a little bit more and see what you have in Tua. Now, Tua's best performance of the season came against the Atlanta Falcons a few weeks ago, but the team still walked away with the loss. And it was after that game where a popular narrative began, and it was that Tua is not the problem, but he is also not the solution. You've probably seen that around Twitter, and that's kind of highlighting his ability to play solid football, but not necessarily do anything extraordinary just yet. But against a weak defense like the Houston Texans, that makes nearly every quarterback look extraordinary. The ball right now now will definitely be in Tua's court to make a statement that he could be much more than just average. A large reason for Tua's inability to throw downfield appears to, of course, lie with the offensive line. Tua has minimal time to throw the ball, and it's really staggering how many times the offensive line will allow defenders to get into the pocket untouched. It makes the process of evaluating what Tua is capable of doing extremely difficult for anyone to do. So, with that in mind, the running game is also impossible to really depend Depend on on a weekly basis. Even against the Texans, a team that is allowing basically, uh, you know, in the top five in every rushing stat, which is really bad. I mean, I'm talking the, the most rushing yards, the second most yards per carry, the second most rushing touchdowns. Even against a team like that, the offensive line really makes it a dart throw to ever bet on any running back in this offense being successful. Malcolm Brown is, of course, still out with an injury, so Miles Gaskin and Savon Ahmed will likely be the guys handling the bulk of the work. Do Johnson was signed to Miami's practice squad a few weeks ago, so could they call him up for a revenge game? I mean, I would be shocked, but maybe, but expecting again the Miami Dolphins to get the running game going here is just a shot in the dark. The receiving game has been up and down lately. The Dolphins had a pretty productive half last time from Devontae Parker, only to look away from him in the second half, so Parker continues to show wide receiver one playmaking ability. He's able to produce even against some of the toughest of cornerbacks. The only thing that's really held Parker back is his ability to stay healthy, and that apparently will come into play again yet again this week. Parker is now listed as doubtful. Apparently, his hamstring injury has been re-aggravated. So with that in mind, Odell Beckham Jr. is being released by the Browns. He'll go to the waivers. The only team that is currently ahead of the Miami Dolphins 
teams in terms of waiver priority is the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions also need a ton of help at the receiver position, but bless Odell's soul if that's where he ends up going. That would be absolutely horrendous. So could the Dolphins or should the Dolphins be in play for getting a guy like Odell Beckham Jr.? I think it's an absolute no-brainer. Right now, you need the talent on the field. That is the bottom line. You can't be in a position where you're trying to say that uh, you don't want to bring in locker room toxicity or anything like that. The Dolphins are in a position now where you need the success by any means you can get it. I think the uh, idea that Odell was even toxic was a little bit overblown to begin with. I think a lot of people were rubbed off the wrong way when they saw him frustrated on the sidelines, kicking the field goal net, things of that nature. At the end of the day, if you're asking me, this is something I've been saying since I you know, the first days of the podcast. Every time, 10 times out of 10, I would rather have the guy that is that passionate when his team is losing and he's that fed up than the guy who's just there for a paycheck and doesn't really care at all. Because right now, the Dolphins are losing. It doesn't seem like there's too much passion. If Odell could bring some element of fire, I'm all for it at this point. And I remember hearing a story about Carmelo Anthony, uh, you know, a few years back, that there were times where he wouldn't score points and the team would win and he'd still look kind of disappointed. And then there'd be other times where the team would get blown out. But if he got 30 points, he'd be in their hype. And I get that same kind of feeling from Odell sometimes that maybe he does care a little bit too much about his individual performance over the team's success. But if that's what it's going to take, if that's what his, uh, you know, uh, fire is rooted in him having individual success, and that could translate over to the Dolphins having a productive passing game, then I'm all for it. I think, you know, the reward is extremely high. There's nothing to lose in the position the Dolphins are in right now. I say go for it. I'm completely in favor of that move. And one thing that I will say is a little bit funny is Odell, you know, kind of forced his way out of Cleveland, uh, Cleveland because he wasn't used properly. It wasn't getting the volume he felt like he deserves. Well, if he comes to the Dolphins, they will be last in the NFL in passes per attempt. So I'm not necessarily sure how much better of a situation it is, but from the Dolphins perspective, I don't think you can pass up on the talent. Uh, speaking of uh, poor use though, Jalen Waddle is also been a victim of poor use and bad play design. Uh, Waddle is just one of the shiftiest, fastest players in all of football, but Miami has been completely clueless when it comes to how to use him downfield. But if there was ever a game to hit Waddle on a pass that traveled 20 yards beyond the, uh, the line of scrimmage down the field, you would think it would be in this game. So, uh, you know, Parker can't go, so maybe it could be Waddle, maybe it could be Mike Kosicki. I think one of these guys is going to be primed for a very big performance, and if there's no big performances from any of the receivers in this game, then frankly, I would be a little bit shocked and very concerned at that point. Now, when it comes to the Dolphins' defense, this is a group that has proven that they could compete at a high level on certain weeks. There are certain weeks where they look like the same team they were last year, who was a defense that was considered elite. If you looked at how they handled the Buffalo Bills, in the first half of last week's game. If they can play an entire outing like that, then it should be a no-brainer. The Dolphins should come away with the win. But again, then we've seen other instances where they've given up entirely too many yards uh, against like teams like the Buccaneers, uh, even against teams like the Atlanta Falcons, who aren't necessarily the best team offensively, had a field day against them. So, you need to have some sort of consistency with this defensive unit. Now, again, this is a Houston Texans team that is by no means known for their offense. Outside of Brandon Cooks, there really isn't too much going on in the passing game. So if you have to ask me, 
who I'm giving the advantage to between the Dolphins defense and the Houston Texans offense. For me, I'm going to go with the Dolphins defense. And frankly, I don't think it's that close. I think even though the Dolphins defense has had moments where they look pretty bad, I'm coming out here with a little bit of confidence in them, just given the matchup. Now we switch over to the Texans. They actually announced that Terod Taylor is expected to return to the starting lineup against the Dolphins, which is painful to hear, especially when we know what Terod Taylor is. We've gone up against him now for several years. Taylor has decimated the Dolphins throughout his career. Against Miami, his record is 5-2. He's averaging 206 yards per game. He has 10 passing touchdowns, 2 rushing touchdowns, and has not thrown a single interception against Miami throughout his career. So, to make matters a little bit more concerning, Taylor looked great this season before the injury. Against the Jaguars, he threw for 291 yards and 2 touchdowns. And then against Cleveland, he was 10-11, for 11, 125 yards and 2 touchdowns before exiting. Both against Jacksonville and Cleveland, wide receiver Brandon Cooks was able to cement himself as the clear-cut top receiving option. He had five catches for 135 yards in week one, nine catches for 78 yards, and a touchdown in week two, and things really haven't slowed down for Cooks despite the Texans losing to Rod Taylor. Cooks is in the top 10 in receiving yards this season and fourth in receptions. So, Cooks is an athletic freak. He's one of those types of players that Xavier Howard might be able to match on a technical level, but on a physical level, when it comes to just strictly speed and being able to hang with them, one wrong move and Cooks is gone for the races. So with that in mind, I don't expect Xavier Howard to be able to completely neutralize him. But if the Dolphins are able to just minimize what Cooks is able to do and not let it define the game, I don't really believe in the rest of the Texans receiver unit, because if you look at it, it's pretty bad. Tight end Jordan Aikens has made a living off of being a touchdown vulture in the red zone, but right now this season, he is touchdownless. He is second on the team in receiving yards behind Brandon Cooks with 177, which is not much at all. And I don't think I really approach Jordan Cooks as he's some, you know, extremely dynamic, physically gifted receiving sort of tight end. He is an average tight end at best, if you're asking me. Receiver Nico Collins has only played in five games, but he has received a decent amount of volume in that span. He's totaled 166 yards, which is third on the team in receiving, but those numbers show just how inefficient the Texans have been in terms of their passing games. Anybody outside of Cooks hasn't been able to get anything going. Now, if you look at the depth chart here, for the Houston Texans, you'll notice you'll see a familiar face in David Johnson. He is a guy that I referenced pretty heavily because he was one of those guys during that span of running backs who was very much elite. They gave a massive deal to, and then he fizzled away. The injuries really took a toll on David Johnson. I would not, frankly, uh, be concerned in approaching David Johnson as if he was the same player that we saw way back in his prime. He is not that guy, averaging three uh, 3.7 yards per carry. I will say he does look a little bit better than he did last year where he looked like he was running in, you know, in cement. The guy was absolutely just abysmally slow. Right now, he looks a little bit better than that, but only 108 yards on the entire season. Does not have a single rushing touchdown. Again, he is somewhat dual threat dynamic of a running back, so he will be incorporated in the receiving game. But if he does have a monster performance, this will be the first time it does happen. So the Dolphins can't afford to let David Johnson have his first decent performance be against 
against them. Mark Ingram was also getting a decent amount of workload for the Houston Texans before he was moved away. Now he's with the New Orleans Saints. Philip Lindsay is also in that backfield, and he's a pretty talented guy, kind of that Gio Bernard-esque guy. You know he's not going to get a ton of workload, but his touches, he will definitely make the most of them, so definitely keep an eye on him, whether it's in the running game or the passing game. But at the end of the day, nobody on this Texans offense should be a worry, and that also kind of uh, follows when we talk about the Texans defense. They are in the bottom five in almost every statistical category except one. They have been completely inefficient when it comes to stopping opposing teams' passing games. With that in mind, against the run, they can't get anything going. They're also in the bottom five of that. I mentioned some of the stats they've had in that, in that category. But in terms of what they do decently, and that's one area that we kind of need to talk about a little bit, and it's going to be their ability to get to the quarterback. They have a decent amount of sacks this season, and it was all kind of rooted in two players. The first of those being Jonathan Greenard, who's in the top 10. He's actually seventh in the entire NFL in sacks with seven. So he's been pretty productive when it comes to getting to the quarterback. The other guy was Whitney Merciless. Now, thankfully for Dolphin fans, Merciless is no longer with the Texans. He's now with the Green Bay Packers, but he too was in the top 10 in sacks on the season. So again, this whole unit, you have Zach Cunningham, a guy that I wanted the Dolphins to go after at the linebacker position, extremely undersized, not been great at tackling. Across the board, when you look at the secondary, you have guys like Desmond King, Traymond Smith, Lonnie Johnson Jr., uh, Terrence Mitchell, bless their soul, you know, bless their soul. There's nothing these guys can do. You can tell the only guy with uh, a high degree of success in that secondary has been Justin Reed throughout his career. But at the end of the day, this isn't a group you can afford to shy away from. And with that in mind, we'll get into some of my expectations for this game. And the first one's going to be that I expect the Dolphins. This one may be a little bit bold because they haven't been willing to do it, but I expect them to have their most big plays in this game. Even if Devontae Parker's out, the secondary against the Texans is bad. I feel like the Dolphins should at least be approaching this with the mindset of they have nothing to lose. Go out there and see what you have. Play an aggressive style of football. And with that in mind, I'm expecting there to be more big plays. So whether that's from Mike Kosicki, whether it's from Jalen Waddle, whether you can incorporate somebody else in there, I'm expecting the Dolphins to at least test the field a little bit more down the field in this game. So uh, my next key to the victory here is that Brandon Cooks has a pretty productive outing. And I'm saying that because I imagine this will be a game you know, Terod Taylor has been very productive throughout his career. I think he is definitely a starting quarterback caliber of a guy, and he is capable of commanding a team if they are playing from behind or if they're throw, throwing the ball in order to just compete with the Dolphins, then uh, Brandon Cooks is the only place they can really turn to. I mean, are they really going to look and turn to a guy like Nico Collins and hope that he puts the team on their back? I don't think so. They're going to look to Brandon Cooks. His volume's probably going to be through the roof in this game. That's just what I'm expecting in this one. My next one here is that I think the Dolphins defense kind of has a bounce back game. I think this is a performance where it actually looks like they're pretty elite, whether it's because of the turnovers. I think Emmanuel Ogba is going to have a lot more success when it comes to getting to the quarterback. I don't know if that's necessarily going to translate to sacks because Terod Taylor is a little bit more elusive, but I think the pressure is going to be there. I think a lot of things are going to work for the Dolphins. The defense should have some degree of their swagger back. And frankly, if that doesn't happen in this game, then Jesus, you know, you're going to see a 
a lot of uh, people getting fired after the game. Now, my keys to the victory here is to play an aggressive style of football. I understand the Dolphins in games like the Buffalo Bills are kind of playing with that mindset of, okay, take what they give you. You know, if you're just hanging with them, that means you're playing good. But if you're just hanging with the Texans at this point, that doesn't mean you're playing good. You know the season is kind of lost at this point. Might as well test the ball downfield, experiment a little bit more, use some gadget plays with Jalen Waddle. Do whatever it takes. As long as there's some degree of confidence, trick plays, anything like that, go out there and act like you are the better team. And that's mostly directed at the offense because I think the defense, more often than not, they can get into that same mindset. But the offense's approach has been entirely too conservative, entirely too scared. Come out here and at least look like an aggressive offense. Test the Texans secondary. And I think you should have at least some degree of success doing that. My next one here is to contain Brandon Cooks. If you let him define the game, then of course, anytime you let a single player define it, if he goes for over 150 yards, several touchdowns, he's completing big plays, then you always run the risk of losing the game. But if you're letting other guys across the, uh, the Texans receiver group beat you, again, guys like Nico Collins, guys like Danny Amendola, Chris Moore, Chris Conley, I mean, those guys should never be having success against a secondary that has devoted so much money uh, you know, into this group. They shouldn't be winning that matchup. So if that is the case and those guys beat you, fine. You know, everyone's going to be furious. There's going to be pitchforks out. The main guy you have to account for here is going to be Brandon Cooks. I think if you neutralize him to some degree, you should have at least a decent performance. And my last key to the victory here is going to be limiting the mistakes, whether those are mistakes made by Tua, like the interceptions he threw in the previous games, or whether it's mistakes from the coaching standpoint, whether it's mistakes from the player and the personnel, you know, not knowing the play, like the one we saw when Mike Kosicki was hit as he was traveling in motion. Just limit those kind of mistakes. The Dolphins can't afford to beat themselves here. They leave too many points on the board. And frankly, after slow starts in both the games against Jacksonville and the games against the Falcons, they both came alive in those games when the game was a little bit too far out of reach. So if they're able to kind of take that same approach from the beginning of the game and play mistake-free football and not let the offense stagnate like it always does in the third quarter, and they're just able to maintain some consistency, that should be enough against a very bad Texans team. So guys, I would love to know what you guys think. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. That is at ShadySteven and at via the source. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. It would mean a lot. And that is how I'm going to wrap it up. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso, and this was via the source.